Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for joining me today. Today we're going to talk about confidence. And I think I have the queen of confidence with me, Sandra Beck. Empowerment is a consistent theme through all of her work. Whether she's coaching a company owner to a million-dollar commission go or working with a mom at home to perform SEO on websites or speaking to a corporate group about personal and professional growth, her message is about what is possible and how to create the circumstances of your choosing. And to me, that's how to be confident in your decision and your dreams. Sandra plays many roles. She's an author, she's a coach, speaker, radio host, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but most importantly, she's a single mother of two boys, and she's created a virtual empire of successful companies, entirely staffed, managed, and implemented using a host of virtual assistants and online resources. Sandra is living life the way she wants to. Thank you, Sandra, for being with us today. Oh, I am so glad to be with you and to talk about confidence. What a great topic. Well, it is, you know, and I'm sure many of the leaders that you that you work with, that's what they want they, because the people that have confidence, you know, those are the ones that draw us in. Those are the ones that we look to for vision and we look through when we're going through change, we look to them to guide us. So confidence isn't about being errant arrogant or boastful, is it? No, not. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's about being humble and knowing what it is you need to accomplish, what the priority is. And when people are not confident and they're very insecure, it's because they're focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on themselves. Hmm. Well, you know, at the Brain Performance Center, I get asked the question a lot, you know, can you train my brain so that I'll be more confident? That and and can you turn the motivation center on in the brain? And those are the two questions that kind of just make me giggle because motivation and confidence, it's got to come from within. Absolutely. Absolutely. Confidence is an inside job. So has have you ever experienced a time in your life where you felt like, your confidence wasn't going 110%? Oh, very much so, Lee. In fact, I thought in those days, my confidence was lucky if it hit 10%, much <laughs> less 110%. Um, shortly after I got divorced and my mom passed away, I had to quickly form a new company. I was in foreclosure on my house. And despite all of the things that I had achieved in my life, all I could focus on was the failures. All I could focus on was the money draining from my account, you know, and the losses. And so my confidence went down, down, down. And I would wake up in the morning thinking I was the biggest loser in the world, which was funny because if you looked on the internet, you'd see, oh, she did this, she did that, blah, 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 da, da, da. But the reality was I was so crushed inside and I was only focusing on the things that were going wrong in my life. And boy, did I spiral down a rabbit hole. Well, you know, Sandra, cognitive science recognizes the basic way that our brain organizes information and forms memories is through storytelling. And I think those stories that you were playing in your brain were the negative ones. Sure. I mean, 
if there was anything that I'd ever done wrong in my life, it came together in my mind. And you know, what's funny, Lee, is I would, I would remember things and then, you know, I would start stuffing stuff in there that maybe did or didn't happen. Like now when I look back and I think of the stories I told, because what's cool is a lot of them were recorded. So I can go back and listen to my thoughts 10 years ago because I was on the radio and I listen to these stories today and go, I don't think that happened that way. And there's something I think that happens when we're, when we're telling a story and we're remembering things, I think we fill in stuff. Oh, we absolutely do. You know, the stories that we tell in our brain, they're half the time they're not accurate, but what's more important is how that story flows and hangs together, the coherence. So if we're missing something, we'll just, we'll distort it. We'll just pick it up from the, from who knows where and we'll stuff it right in. Well, and it's funny, you know, you say that because there's a story about the lowest point in my life. And I actually fell into my mom's grave during the grave site. Um, I, granted, I only fell in up to my legs, but my brothers took pictures and put it on social media because they put the carpet over the hole. And I thought, you, you know, I'm from L.A. You walk on the carpet, you know. So I walk on the hole and I fall through up to my knee. Well, when I was at my lowest point, that story was so embarrassing to me. I didn't want anybody to know. I was so angry at my brothers for putting it up on Facebook. Ha ha ha. Sand fell into mom's grave. Now, with confidence, I look back and I go. That is really funny and it makes a bad day better in my mind. But look at how my mind changed that story around, even though it was the same thing. So when you're in a positive state of mind and what things are going good and you're, you're getting all the sleep you need and, you know, there's no drugs or alcohol because all of those things impact our ability to feel confidence. Those are confidence killers. And when what I hear you say now, you've got all those things in a positive state and you look at that and your sense of humor just takes over. You get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, it's almost like putting on glasses. Like I have sunglasses on when my thoughts are negative and dark. So everything I see is negative and dark and my confidence just plummets. And then I take my glasses on and I put them on and all of a sudden I see clearly and I can see all this beauty around me and I interpret the events around me completely differently, Lee. And in a way, when I'm positive, it builds my confidence. When I'm negative, it drags it down like an anchor. Mm. So does that mean that you're in charge of your confidence? Absolutely, 100%. And I didn't believe that, Lee, when... First Sergeant Hoffman from the United States Marine Corps uh, came over to visit me shortly after my foreclosure. My mom died and I divorced and I had two little kids, so I wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating. And he said, Beck, you have to take control of your mind. And I said, I can't. I'm sad. I miss. He's like, yeah, you can be sad and take control of your mind. And I'm like, but I'm losing my house. Yeah, you can lose your house and take control of your mind. And he would have me do these positive affirmations in the mirror. And he stood there, you know, this big old staff sergeant telling me, ordering me to make these positive statements about myself and look at the mirror and something strange happened that I started to believe them and it started to change kind of the monkey chatter that was in my head from you're a loser to you can do this. Wow. You know, what I hear you say is that 
you have to accept failure as part of the journey and you have to keep on trying. And it sounds like you had some all or nothing going on, chit chat in your mind, you know, being the perfectionist. And once you were able to see, push through that and use your positive affirmations, do you remember any of those affirmations? I do. I remember one that I still write today when I have money fears. I have big money fears. I came from no money. I was very poor growing up. Then I made a lot of money in my marriage that I had no money broke again. And, you know, now I'm back up, you know, solvent. But I have this affirmation that was taught to me by a prosperity expert. And it goes like this. It says, I have more money than I can spend and I pay my bills with ease. And I have written that, I kid you not, I bet a thousand times because this prosperity expert had me write these down 30 times a day for 30 um, or 30 times a day for 30 days. So like essentially 900 times, almost a thousand times. And I kept programming myself to have this affirmation. And now when I'm tiredly and I'm writing my bills out or I'm writing my checks, it, it runs in my head. I have more money than I can spend and I pay my bills with ease. And prior to that, I was so scared about money. I wasn't confident in my earning power. And every check was like peeling out my fingernails. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. We do have an important relationship with money. Um, but the affirmation that you used, and, and it made me think about back in October of 2019, a tornado came through and, and my office was destroyed. And that same day, I'm there and I'm trying to get everything up out of the soaking carpet. And I stood there and I just said to myself, I will come back bigger and better and stronger. And I said that probably a hundred times a day, the first three days, but it got me through it. And I still use that affirmation. Absolutely. Because what we think about Lee really does create our reality. And I had a little experiment that I did on a bet with my teenage son who was wearing the hoodie, you know, not looking anybody in the eye and telling me the world was miserable. And I said, this is all miserable because of, of what your belief is. And he's like, no, it's not, mom. So we went to the mall one day and I said, okay, when we go in this store, I want you to do your usual stick. Shove your hands in your pocket, hunch over and pull your hoodie down and don't make eye contact to anybody. Okay, so he walks around the store. We come out. And I said, okay, let's go to this store, just some random store. It wasn't anything special. And I said, now, please take off your, you know, black Unabomber hoodie and give it to me. You're now in a nice, you know, T-shirt at Southern California. Now I want you to smile and I want you to say hello to everybody that you come in contact with. We did not leave that store for a half an hour because he befriended some guy. They're talking about video games. He's all excited about this new video game that this guy told him about. And I'm like, look what you did. You created two different realities by the way you're thinking and the thinking drives behavior. And look at your different behaviors and look at how the world responds. So yes, you do. You create your reality with the thoughts you think that lead to your behaviors. Well, it sounds like to me, you caught him in doing some stinking thinking, you know, <laughs> yes. those pessimistic ways that we think about ourselves, our 
friends and the world around us. And it just, it creates negativity around us. And we ooze that energy out and we're not even aware of it. You know, with the hoodie on top of his head and his hands in his pocket, that's oozing to me kind of a little bit of stay away. Don't talk yep. to me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so those those negative thoughts, I mean, and I talk a lot about this in my business, and, you know, it's those ants, those automatic negative thoughts. They are fast and furious, and they go through your head. You don't even know they were there. It's just all of a sudden you're thinking, man, I screwed that up, uh, or I'm angry, but I don't know why. And we've got to be aware that if we don't change our thinking, nothing else we do will make a whole lot of difference. No. And I, I call it my, I hate your dog thinking because when I'm in a really bad place, I'm like, I hate you and your dog, like just in my head. And when I get to that point, I think who could hate a dog? You know, like they just <laughs> love you. And it just shows me. And it usually will make me laugh when I'm in, I'm, I hate your dog state because I realize how stinking my thinking is and how it affects everything. It affects the people around me. It affects the choices I make. You know, if I'm thinking thinking in a bad way, Lee, I'm going to make food choices that don't serve me. I'm going to make entertainment choices that don't serve me. I'm going to have conversations with friends that don't build up our relationship, but can tear them down or drive them crazy because I'm being so negative. So it affects everything. So you've worked with a lot of, you know, leaders and you've coached a lot of people and when they ask you, you know, what is, what do you think is the one thing I need to know to find my confidence? What do you tell them? That is your choice. Ah. Without a doubt. It's your choice. If you want to choose confidence, you will be. And if you don't, you won't. There's really nothing anybody can do to give you confidence. What they can do is guide you to finding your own confidence. And you can flip-flop around all you want trying to build your own confidence. But when you work with a confidence-building expert like me, Lee, or like you, you fast-track yourself and you learn these shortcuts that people get tripped up and then they stumble around and they never achieve that full confidence. So it is something that you create, but boy, you can get there a lot faster and with a lot less pain working with a coach. Well, and, and don't you think, cause I've had clients that, you know, they feel very confident sometimes when they're dressed really nicely. And I can tell when they walk in, they're holding that head high and kind of not strutting, but they just feel confident. And I'll comment them on how nice, you know, how nice you look today and how great your energy is. And, and I, I don't see anything wrong when I call those props, but I don't see anything wrong with using that type of thing to strengthen your and reinforce your confidence. Do you? Not at all. In fact, that's what our entire United States military is built on. You know, when you think of a soldier or an airman or a, a Marine, um, they're in their fatigues, right? So they have their, their clothes on that are meant to protect their body. They've got lots of pockets. They have utility. And they might be a camouflage. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Pardon me. They might have a camouflage pattern that serves them for what they're doing. But now fast forward to them in uniform. 
What does that uniform stand for? When you look at a Marine, they've got the best uniforms. They're decorated, they're severe, they're impressive, they have a big sword. And that that uniform is designed to give confidence to that, that serviceman. Now let's look at people who go to work and let's look at lawyers who go into the court. What does the lawyer wear? He wears a suit. The lady wears a suit. What does the judge wear? He wears a robe. So going back in history, we've always adorned ourselves to feel more confident in what we're doing and to command respect. And it works. It it truly does work. I'm thankful I haven't stood in front of a, a judge in a court. But, you know, I watch shows on TV and, and think, oh, that's that. He looks so almost reverent in that big row with that big gavel, you know. Um, so it, I think it does work. I mean, I think that what we're very aware of those visual things that we see. And what I think a lot of us lack, are lacking is self-awareness. Absolutely. Like when I've coached people who've been in a really bad place, you know, maybe they've lost a spouse, maybe they've lost a company and they come to me for confidence building and leadership training. And the first thing I do is look at their appearance. And if they're not, their hair is not cut, if their hair is not combed, if their makeup's not on, they don't have jewelry on, if they don't have, you know, clean, straight, neat, you know, straighten up, fly right kind of clothing, I have to call them on it. Because any of us can wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and not like what we see because we're disheveled. Maybe we have bedhead or our junky old, like my favorite, you know, pajamas that have big dogs on them. You know, I don't look like a leadership trainer. I look like somebody <laughs> that just rolled out of bed. But by the time I'm done, when my hair is fixed, my makeup is on, I've got my diamond earrings in, my good luck necklace that, you know, was from my mother, and I have my clothes on, whether I'm a few pounds overweight or not doesn't matter, but I look good. And when I look good, I can focus on my job. I have the confidence to lead because I'm not distracted by I'm in my pajamas. I'm not feeling at a disadvantage because I'm underdressed. And everybody can recognize that feeling of going somewhere and they're underdressed. You're embarrassed. You're cringy. You don't feel your best. You kind of want to, you know, fade away. And we all know that feeling. So if we want to optimize our presentation to the world and get the best back for us, we have to put that best face forward. Well, you make a really good point there, Sandra, because, you know, we have every day we have positive events and we have negative events. And research shows that we have three times more positive than we do negative. But what does the brain remember? The negative. And what does the brain hold on to? The negative. So we, it's, it's what you pay attention to and how you pay attention to it. And if you leave yourself in that rolled out of bed state, and when you're looking in the mirror, what are you paying attention to? How bad you look. Oh, my gosh, go comb your hair, girl. You know, <laughs> put your makeup on. So it's what you pay attention to and how much time you spend doing it. And it does, I think it does take a little work sometimes to set yourself up for success. Absolutely, it does. And it, you know, it, it takes both the outer and the inner work to really get, you know, success because the outer work, Lee, is temporary. You know, 
I found it funny one time I was talking to my friend, a wealth psychologist, and I said, you know, I've experienced something really interesting being a single mom over 16 years and having wild fluctuations in my income. When I have money in the bank, Lee, and a lot of money in the bank, I can go on a date with anybody and rock it. When I have no money in my bank, I can barely get out of the house. And what I learned from that is my confidence and my esteem was tied to my bank account. Like, how silly is that? Like, I'm somehow better or worse a person or better or worse a leader because I have $10 in my bank account or $100 in my bank account. And so I found that cars and what you called props, you know, cars and houses and bank accounts and, you know, the Gucci this and the Rolex that, all of those are nice and we should enjoy them. But they give you a false confidence. And that real confidence has to come from changing the way you think inside, changing your beliefs, you know, getting rid of your limiting beliefs and changing what's going on in your head first, because you can fix all the outer but if you don't have the outer working with the inner and you only have the outer, you're going to fall down because your car can't prop you up in a meeting. Your watch can't prop you up in the middle of a, a you know, a difficult negotiation. I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, it ties you're tying negative thoughts into mistaken beliefs because that belief that, that you know, you're going to flash that watch and everybody's going to ooh and ah, it is, isn't true. I mean, our mistaken beliefs are tied into our basic needs. And when you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it starts with level one is your psychological safety. And, you know, level two being able to ensure our survival. When those aren't met, we're, we, we think we need that watch or we think we need that car or something, something to give us a feeling of safe and security. And as you said, that's got to come from within. Well, and that's when you know you have real confidence, when your confidence doesn't shake by whatever car you drive. You know, I have to drive rental cars all the time when I go to uh, to other cities. So I can't depend on my car to give me my esteem needs, you know, to give me that boost. And I may or may not be in a in a uh, uh, a location that I want to pack, you know, 100 pounds of clothes and 10 pounds of jewelry and makeup. So I might have to go minimalist just because it's less hassle and less waiting at the terminal, you know, for luggage and all this other stuff. Or I might be on a time frame with different connections and my connections might be Dallas, Minnesota and Miami. And I have to wear three different weight clothes. So it's not always possible to use your props so what happens when you don't have your props? You know, what happens if your bank account drains because, you know, you had some roof repair and all of a sudden your savings cut in half? Does that mean you're half a person? No. And I think, you know, what, what, I, what I hear from you is it's your mindset. You know, are you in a, if you're in a growth mindset, then you see that this, this will be replaced you know, I can I can create new opportunities. I can learn new skills if I need to. 
but it's that growth mindset instead of that fixed mindset where, you know, just, okay, you don't, you're doing the best you can. What else, how are you going to get out of this hole? Um, and it's just, you know, it's something that you've said and I've said in the previous few minutes, it all depends upon your perception because perception is reality. It's how you perceive the situation. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about how you perceive things, checking in with your brain every now and then, checking in with your thoughts every now and then is really a powerful tool. I remember when I was in Salt Lake City for Stephen Covey, and it was a whole week long on productivity and planning. And they had us the first daily take a post-it, a simple little sticky note you know, about a three by three and carry it around with us and make a check mark. Every time we had a negative thought about ourselves or somebody else, I filled that sucker up in like 45 minutes. You know, I was horrified. I had no idea these things were going through my brain at such a rate. And that's what happens when you don't, you're not a manager of your own thoughts. So how long did it take you to fill up the positive one? Oh, that was really hard. I actually had to work at that because I was by nature critical. You know, I think most of us, it's easier to be critical than it is to be complimentary. And so I had to work hard on that to be a more positive person because I thought critical thinking meant being a critical person. And I had to learn that those are two very different things. Boy, that the critical thinking as it relates to a critical person, that is a very good point because so many times I've thought the same thing. And instead of thinking of critical thinking as a way that I can be creative and I can construct a new approach or, or a new solution, um, it's that's such a great point that you made. Right, because that that's positive. That has a positive outcome. Critical thinking creates opportunity but a critical person just crushes everybody in their wake i mean they just roll them over like a like a steamroller and there's just bodies you know thrown everywhere well and you know we all have got that inner critic that we try to keep that negative chit chat down but that inner critic is always there and something comes up you're having a bit a bad day or you know nothing's going your way that day. And what's the first voice that I hear in my head? It's that inner critic criticizing. And one of the hardest things for me has been able to recognize that and then take hold of it and say, stop it. Shut up. That is not the the chit chat that I want going in my brain. Right. Very simple. Stop. Shut up. Knock it off. I don't want to hear it. All of those work. They do. And, you know, we're getting ready to take a break. And when we come back, I'd like to know you mentioned positive affirmations in the beginning of the show. You know, if we want to go Tony Robbins style, we'll go incarnations. But whatever it is, it's bringing that positive and getting it set in your in your head. And that's particularly in today's time. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much chaos that's, hard. That's really hard to do. So after break, we'll come back and we'll learn more about how you get the positive energy going. 
We'll be back after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Did you know a dentist invented the first electric chair? Just thinking about going to the dentist makes me feel like I'm headed for death row. What's a word for the fear of a dentist? Odontophobia. Brexomania is another word for the compulsive grinding of one's teeth. Early toothbrushes were twigs with frayed ends. Toothpaste in a tube was made available to the public in 1892 and was called Dr. Scheffel's Cream Dentifrice. Now Americans buy 14 million gallons of toothpaste every year. In Mexico, the tooth fairy is called the tooth mouse. Half of all Americans say that a smile is the first thing they notice about a person. It's easy to spot a person with a fake smile, otherwise known as an exodesiast. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. So we're back, and when we left before break, we were talking about the importance of affirmations. And what makes affirmations important and what makes them work is the repetition. When you think about how things, what's going on in that brain, the brain communicates. The neurons and the dendrites, they're wiring and they're firing and they're creating these synapses. And that's the connection between the two of them. And all the time we're creating and we're adjusting our synaptic connections. But when we learn something or we experience something, that's what we when we think about it over and over and over or if we do something like make a vision board and we put those visions in front of us that seeing it over that imprint over and over and over in the brain makes it more important to us but think about it anything i learned to do anything whether it was something as simple as riding a bicycle how did i learn to do it practice makes perfect And it's the repetition. The more we practice anything, the better we get it, and the more likely it's going to stick. Well, and that applies to confidence, Lee, because when I do confidence training, I spend a lot of time with people visioning themselves confident. So when you envision yourself being confident, you actually intentionally create daydreams where you are successful, where you are in a a top primo position. And 
you run this script or this story in your head over and over until you have the confidence to perform. And once you do it once or twice after you've done all this practice, and it's no different than Agassi practicing his swing or, you know, Phil Jackson telling one of the Chicago Bulls to envision uh, your free throws. You know, he was a big proponent of, of the free throw and running it in your head over and over and seeing it go in the basket, see it go in the basket, hear the crowd, all these different things start to really program us to have confidence and to be successful. And so when you mentioned visioning and vision boards, I kept thinking about how important it is for me to have and hold a vision in my head of what I'm going to be doing and that that vision has a successful outcome because that eliminates all the nervousness that causes us to, to waffle and waver and then, therefore, we don't feel confidence and no one believes in our confidence because we don't have it. No, and people, it, people know when, you know, I'll see somebody walk in a room and, and they'll start to talk and they'll, they'll get a big smile on their face and kind of light up. And it, that's just their inner confidence. And that, that goes out and I, I pick it up and everybody picks it up. But I don't think you can fake it till you make it. Do you? Um, I think you can in the beginning, but as the stakes get higher for your leadership and your confidence, um, no, you, you have to earn it. You have to get there. You know, I've worked a lot in men's fields and I'm a, you know, five foot eight blonde curvy, you know, I kind of look like Barbie and that doesn't exactly instill confidence, especially in a firearm arena, a tech arena, um, or some of the other industries that I've worked in that are highly male dominant. But what I found was in the very beginning, yes, I had to fake it till I make it. And what was funny, though, is I didn't have to fake it very long because I started to feel confidence and little steps you become more and more confident. You reach, you grow, you achieve. You reach, you grow, you achieve. And I didn't try to reach, you know, a 10 foot, you know, ledge, you know, with two inch heels. I, I stepped on the next rung of the ladder and you build confidence and confidence grows over time. So you have to be patient. You have to do your positive visualization so you see yourself being positive. And then you also need to do a couple other little things working on yourself to be confident. You know, when I go into a tech situation or I go into a military leadership situation, I know that no one in the room knows as much as I did because I prepared. And I probably overprepared a thousand percent in the beginning because if I'm going up against an FBI expert and a CIA expert and I'm supposed to be the tech expert, you better believe that I prepared. Preparation is a big part of confidence because you can envision success all you want. But if you didn't prepare and you don't have the chops to go in and, and handle that room and make your statement and get people to listen to you in a respectful, responsible manner. All the confidence in the world, all the confidence in the training world, meaning your, you know, the training you've had is going to fall flat because you don't know what you're doing. Well, you're right. And, you know, you mentioned the ladder. And I like that because that gave me a visual. And it gave me a visual of, you know, every rung that I go up 
it you're you're climbing towards a bigger, better you and acknowledging all that you have to offer and certainly doing the work. That's one thing that I honestly believe you have to show up prepared. You can't just roll in. No. And you might be able to roll in later in your career. Like there's times that I'll say I I roll in a lot these days, but I put in 25 years, 30 years of leadership training, you know, with some of these industries. And I can tell you when I first started working in the firearm industry and doing management leadership training, they would look at me, Lee, and go, why on earth would we listen to you? And they used to call me shampoo girl behind my back. Cause they're like, every day she has different shampoo. And I'm like, how do you know that? And they're like, cause some days you smell like apples. Some days you smell like flowers. I'm like, stop smelling my hair, dude. Like, you know, we're, we're here to do a job, but that was kind of the scuttlebutt behind, you know, that, and that really derailed me. I heard shampoo girl in my head when I was talking, my voice would waver and I would think about how they're all looking at me like a shampoo And now when I go in, the last thing I think about is what shampoo I use and I come in ready to battle, you know, because some of these things are battles when you work in high stakes, high tech uh, with a lot of egos, you have to be prepared for battle. And that's why, Lee, we can circle back to the importance of what you're wearing and your uniform, because your uniform can also convey respect. I used to dress a whole bunch of different ways. And there's two styles of dress, Lee, that I go in when I'm going to go into a tech battle. One is that I look head to tails in black. I look sleek and sophisticated. And the other one, Lee, my other secret weapon is to go in a t-shirt and jeans, flip-flops and a hippie bag. And Both of them are intended to disarm the people in the room and give me the upper hand. That's a confidence trick. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I saw a study, I think it was back in 2015, that assessed what colors people associate with different personality traits. And black was voted as a confident color that makes people think of attractiveness and intelligence and confidence. So there's something to be said about a man in black or a woman in black. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know, and there are things, you know, like when you are confident, you also know what tools you have in your arsenal. Are you well-spoken? Are you funny? You know, are you the clever one-liner? You know, all of these different skill sets play into your confidence because part of being confident is to play up your strengths and to minimize your weaknesses. Like I need to go to the bathroom all the time. Like whenever I get nervous, I need to run to the bathroom. So I know that one of the things that derails my presentations is that if I need to use the restroom 20 minutes into, you know, a conflict or a presentation. So I know literally not to drink anything like an hour before I go into one of these meetings. So it's knowing not only what your physical body can do, but also, you know, how things are perceived and running to the restroom a couple times in a meeting, you're perceived as weak. The other thing that I talk about with especially ladies and with men is choosing a heel height. You know, men who are not as tall 
can wear a thicker sole shoe and give them two or three inches versus a tall man that may or may not want to do that. When I worked in Japan, one of the things that I used Lee all the time to command the room is I'm already 5'8". When you put me in four-inch platforms, I'm a foot taller than some of the men in this room. And believe me, that commanded a room. Oh, I'm sure it did. And, you know, it was interesting because you talked about the sham- being the shampoo girl. And yeah. it made me think about a study that was done at the uh, University of Liverpool. And it proved that how we smell greatly affects our self-confidence and how it, the impact that it has on others and how they view and treat us. So uh, everything, everything that we sense when we're in a situation, what do we smell? What do we feel? What do we hear? What do we what do we see? All of that can have a good or bad impact on our self-esteem. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the other things, Lee, that, you know, and you can you can pick up on this like a lot of times in movies, but the use of mirrored sunglasses, the use of sunglasses, when you can't read my eyes, I immediately am at a disadvantage. And so when you are looking at intimidating someone, you know, we're talking about confidence because confidence is about, you know, directing things around you in the way that you think is best, not only having your confidence, but inspiring the confidence of others in you. So there are times that I'll put on a pair of mirrored sunglasses or something so that you can't see my eyes and you can't read my expression. And that makes me feel powerful. And it does give you some power. And, you know, that's one thing that wearing the mask has taught me is that the story is just as much in the eyes as it is in the face. Oh, without a doubt. And the mask have brought in a whole new, uh, another variable in how we look confident. Because I know when we first started wearing them, I did not like them at all. I felt that they made me uncomfortable. Now they, now remember I'm in Dallas and we've had some cold weather. So it keeps my face warm in the morning. <laughs> so I've started to really accept them and like them. And I'm more confident when I wear it into the health club. Well, and I like the message that a mask can deliver. You know, I probably have 20 masks because I look at them as earrings. It's a fashion accessory. So if I'm going to do things with my kids and there's going to be other kids around, I have a yellow mask with a big smile on it. And everybody loves that. Then I have a couple funky, cool looking gizmo tech things. And then I have one that looks like it came right out of NCIS. All of those are for different Uh, roles because people look at your face they look at your eyes they're going to see your mask when I wear my New York Yankees mask I get so many people making comments about sports or oh are you from New York you know kind of thing in California it's wonderful but they're like little billboards on our face and I think people don't recognize the message they're sending people with the mask they choose I think you're right. I think many of us for a long time just thought, well, it's going to go away. It's going to be out of here in another week. And we haven't recognized that how powerful it can be. You know, what do you think about music? Because I think the type of music that you listen to sometimes will give you, I know sometimes when I'm listening to some heavy bass, I feel powerful. I feel very determined. I feel on it. And then when I'm listening to some real soft, more 
serene. I feel more calm and, and more at ease. So what do you think about music and how that impacts confidence? Oh, I, I think it's so importantly because it changes our state. I mean, think about the emotion when Darth Vader would come into the scene and you'd hear dun 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 dun. I mean, that commanded a room. That that made you either feel afraid of the character or if you identified with the character, you felt like you could just, ha- you know, just I can run the Rebel Alliance. Check me out. You know, and then, you know, look at a Winnie the Pooh watching with your kids and you hear Winnie the Pooh go, you know, yum, yum, yum in my tum, in my tum, yum, yum, yum in my tum, you know, and he's he's so cute and he's so cuddly and the music is so light. Look at the difference in the change in your state emotionally just by being influenced by those little brief images and the little brief sounds that I gave you. And so when you want to feel confidently, one of my confidence builders is to have a playlist. I use Spotify. You can use anything. But I have a playlist of music that makes me just want to hit a home run first time up at bat. And then I have one that kind of calms me down. I also have one that that helps me process my feelings when I'm in a sad mood. So music can be tools to boost your confidence, you know, or to help you move through maybe a negative state into more positive state. Listen to Pharrell Williams' happy song. It might drive you nuts and it might annoy you because he must say happy like 10,000 times in that song. But Listen to it and then tell me if you don't feel happy. Oh, you're right. Be happy. And just when you said that, I I could feel a smile coming on my face because it does make you happy. So let's kind of switch gears. I work, the population that I work with, I, I work with a lot of people with anxiety. And right now I'm seeing a lot of people that are having panic attacks. And I've worked with them over the last six months and I've seen how this anxiety and this panic has really taken their confidence down. It's like it's just disappeared overnight. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of it is what we feed we feed ourselves, you know, and I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about digital media. I'm talking about, you know, alerts on our phone. You know, I was, I was in a meeting last week with this woman who is so negative and she's so draining and it takes all of my leadership not to snap her neck through the computer and to just shake her and say, knock it off. Do you realize what you're doing? And she has an app on her phone that gives her all the news updates of everything terrible going on in the world. She has her computer going. She has her television going with the news station. And then she had the nerve to tell me this week that she's feeling frustrated, angry, scared, and upset. Well, why wouldn't you be? You've just fed yourself a steady diet of things to be anxious about. And so when I work with people with anxiety, the first thing I do is ask them what their mental diet is. What have you been feeding yourself? You know, are you watching scary TV about murders? Are you watching the news? You know, what are you reading? You know, what are you watching on YouTube? Are these things ramping you up? 
or are they dialing it back? And if you're really in a bad state, you have to go on a media diet and the world will not fall apart because you get off social media or if you shut off the news or anything like that for a day. You make some excellent points with with the social media because we all, we do feed ourselves. We feed ourselves negative things and thoughts that we that we don't like, but we chew them up and we swallow them and we keep eating them. And I think sometimes it's because we think that if we do, we'll be more in control. Right. And we're not. We're giving away our control. Right. And the basis of all this is fear. You know, like my, a couple of my clients, Lee, that I coach, they're big heavy hitters in the stock market. And so one of them in particular was driving himself almost to the point where he's like, I can't take it. I can't take any of this. And I was worried about his mental health and making a really poor choice, you know, about his, his life. And I said to him, his name's Jay. And I said, Jay, shut it off. And he's like, and I said, are you going to sell any stocks in the next week? He said, absolutely not. And then I said, shut off the stock market, shut off the ticker, shut off the alerts on your phone, hide your phone, put it in the freezer, give it to somebody if you have to, but disconnect from this roller coaster ride that where your stocks go up, you feel great and you're happy. The stocks go down and you're, you're afraid and frustrated. You know, you have by choosing to pull all this information into you decided to get on the roller coaster ride of the stock market. Same thing with the news. All of these things are going to come and go and happen and change and impeach or not impeach and, you know, riot or not riot without your watching TV. You have no influence on any of these things. So you have to make the decision is what I'm focusing on helping me. If you're not going to buy or sell stocks, you know, in at least a week. Don't look at it 24 hours a day. Maybe check it at the end of the day. If news really upsets you, but you feel like you have to go and check this because it's vitally important for you to know what's going on in our government, check it once a day. But don't let it constantly feed you and play your emotions like a guitar until your strings wear out. You know, that's so true. And we do those things because we want to be in control of them. And what we, the hardest thing that I have found for people with low self-esteem is accepting, accepting themselves for where they are, making a decision that they're going to change. And they, they have to believe that they can change. And when you think of some of the past experiences, you know, some of the, the houses and the homes that people grow up with, and there's a lot of, the, I think one out of five Americans comes from a home with domestic violence. And all of that hits those basic beliefs that we talked about earlier, you know, am I going to be safe? Am I going to be able to sleep? Will I have enough to eat? And those are there just brewing underground. You've got to, you've got to believe that you can change and you're willing to do your work. And that's how someone like yourself with your coaching, someone like me with the work that I do with CBT, um, can really make a difference. Absolutely. And you have to set your environment up for success. You know, if you were trying to lose 100 pounds, Lee, which some of my clients come to me, you know, to lose 100 pounds, and I ask them what's in their kitchen, they have chips and candy and junk. And, you know, so you set yourself for immediate failure. But with anxiety, 
with with fear, you know, fear is at the base of all these things. And if we can all agree that our media today is designed to be addictive, you know, they want you to sit through the commercials and you won't get the end of the end of the who who done it until the very last minute. And then they give you a teaser for the show next time. So it's all designed television. And I worked for Disney and CBS and all of these things are designed to be addictive and to capture the attention. You know, the dollar value is not in selling product anymore the dollar value is where can we get the most of the consumer's attention so when we look at these things lee and we know that media is designed to be addictive and that companies are looking for the share of your brain and your attention and that they're designed to make you feel uncomfortable so you buy a hamburger to feel better you're designed to feel that you're too short so buy you know these shoes or you're too you know not a good athlete so buy these sport things so you feel better they're all designed to to get us to react on our negative aspects of ourselves so we buy products to feel better how about we take a step back from all of this nonsense and give ourselves a time out so that we can be with ourselves. And it's going to be uncomfortable at first, but we will be able to start resetting ourselves so that we are not living 24-7 in a fear-based environment. And I think it's so hard for people. I mean, it's people say, well, what should I do? And I'm like, it's real easy. Be present. Stay in the moment. There's some research at Harvard that says 80% of us were either lost in the past or were worried about the future. If we can start with just some basic mindfulness, just being able to stay present, and that can be very hard to do, to just sit with it for more than 60 seconds, that can be a challenge. It is. And we call it time traveling in my industry. Stop time traveling. Don't go in the future. It's not written yet. Don't go in the past. It's over. You know, you you look at yourself like an airplane. And if you listen to yourself or you monitor your thoughts, you can realize where are you? Are you in the future? Are you you in the past? And I'm going to tell you a quick little story, fast one. When I was at my lowest point, Lee, I was sitting in bed with my kid who had an earache at one o'clock in the morning and this kid's program comes on, Lego Ninjago. This little figurine comes out and he says, what can you do today to get you to where you want to be? And I thought, I want to be debt free. I want to have confidence. I want to feel happy and in love and I don't want to miss my mom every minute of the day. So that little Lego figurine taught me that all I can do is what I have right now. And what am I choosing? Am I choosing to sit in bed and feel sorry for myself? Or am I choosing to take action and taking a step on what I can do today to get me to where I want to be? You know, you made me think about a saying that my mom used to say to me when I was a little girl. She'd say, honey, you can reach in that drawer, same drawer, and you can pull out happy or you can pull out sad. It's your choice. It's your and, and it is my choice. Of course, as a 11 year old, that just used to infuriate me <laughs> and I'd run, 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 run under underneath my breath, you know, but it's, it is just as simple as that. And, but it's hard. It sounds so easy, but it, it, it can be challenging. And I think you mentioned the environment that you're in setting yourself up for success is important. I think that there's so many things that when we stop and we look at our lifestyle choices 
and we question those, we may become more aware that we need to rethink what's around us, the people are around us. Do we have energy suckers or do we have energy givers? And on that note, in the last few seconds, I'm going to give you the opportunity to add anything that you would like. Just reach out and get help with what you're struggling with. And if the person isn't great, find another one. But don't keep trying. Don't give up. Keep trying because you're worth it. Absolutely. That's, those are great words to end on. You are worth it. Every single one of us is worth it. We just have to fight for it. Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify,